laying four is the consensus point spread total 48 and a half a money line of 200 and we are starting to see some fluctuation in that money line but steve beyond a lot of talking points in the game itself i think you've broken that down so well on so many other platforms people can find that just about anywhere else i have a question for you about the early ram support that we saw in this marketplace it has me pretty perplexed because i think when we see a point spread open at three and a half you speak to it very well there's asymmetric risk if that number ticks down just half a point, that's huge value getting the minus three with the Rams. And if it ticks up to four, four and a half, even five or five and a half, that's not a huge difference from a number like three and a half. Yet we've seen this spread bet up to four. We've even seen some four and a halfs. So still early money coming in on the Rams against the spread. And similarly with the money line, it opened minus 190. We know with the Super Bowl, we almost always see a discount on the favorite very late in the market, right before kickoff. Yet that shot up pretty early. It's now, you know, up from the opener of minus 190 to a consensus of minus 200. We are seeing it come back down. So there's some signs of sanity in the marketplace. But Steve, with all that laid out, I've just got to ask you, who in their right mind bet the Rams early on the side or money line? And why would that have occurred, given what we know about asymmetric risk with the point spread and the favorite on the money line always being a bargain late right before the Super Bowl? Did you see the movie Big? Yes. So you're, what you're telling me is that you don't get it, right? Well, maybe if you had reviewed the box scores of the Cincinnati Bengals and the Los Angeles Rams during their playoffs, you would see that according to the double-blind study of those box scores, the Bengals aren't very good. They've been outstatted in each and every playoff game. I get it. They've been clutched. They've got it done. And the Rams have just kicked ass for the most part. I, in the stats, minus two in turnovers against Tampa Bay. That's the only reason that Tampa got back in that game. They destroyed Arizona, and it's easy to say, oh, well, Arizona's terrible um, after after the Rams killed them. Well, then you should have laid the three like I did um, when they played Arizona. Um, so there's a lot of reasons. Everyone I, that I talk to that's a pro better likes the Rams. So it's a good point, though. Even if you like the Rams, what was the hurry? I mean, I'm looking at the screen. You know, this is a real number. I just bet it. William Hill has a money line minus 175. You know what that means? No one in the entire world should be betting the Rams right now. There should not be $1 wagered of any significance because that's so much better than any other number that's out there, including the William Hill side at three and a half. I assume that probably Mattress Mac just bet, you know, a zillion dollars on Cincinnati and William Hill's trying to just scalp out some money. So um, it's a good question the super bowl gets a bunch of recreational betters betting the money line on the dog so we wait until game day to play the money line on the rams so there was no reason you're right to lay the three and a half on the rams other than the number being cheap but do we lay the minus 175 now do i really think i'm going to do better than that you know what i'm going to predict i won't and it's probably time to fire on the minus 175 that is a rogue number the only one out there but i'll say this i just bet it and William Hill didn't blink. I think they're just looking to scalp out whoever just bet a zillion, like I said, on Bengals' money line. When it comes to those of us without access to William Hill, I'm here in L.A. hoping that this is one of the last Super Bowls without access to more regulated offerings. Would you say that minus 175 or perhaps minus 180 might be that buy price if we see that more widely available come 
Saturday evening, Sunday afternoon? Yeah, you know, I probably would have laid minus 178. I wouldn't have laid minus 180. Um, and we have seen the four nabs going back down to fours. There's a lot of public um, sentiment with Joe Burrow and the Bengals. A lot of people love them Bengals. Um, and what, what's not to like? I mean, the Bengals are, are a organization with a history of winning these big games and, and kicking ass throughout the playoffs. Oh, well, no, actually, they aren't. Um, but they've done very well this year. Uh, I get it. Burroughs has done great. He's a clutch quarterback. I still don't believe it. And I grew up in Southern Ohio. This is my team. So I watch them more probably than any other team. When I say my team, I, I'm not a fan anymore. Um, that's long since been done away with. I really think the Rams are going to handle the Bengals fairly easily. But there's better ways to get at the Rams than to play uh, than to lay four on the Rams. Indeed, and we can get into some of those angles when we talk some props. Before we move to the props portion of this conversation, anything else you have top of mind when it comes to the cider total, or is it really maybe a cheap money line on the Rams and otherwise props the majority of the Super Sunday portfolio? You know, there are others that make fun of me because I don't like weather disparity. I don't like teams that have to go from the Arctic and suddenly are in really, really nice warm weather, and that's what Cincinnati is facing. I assure you, if Sha this isn't Shackelford and his crew going from the Antarctic and suddenly being in Portugal in the summertime. I get it. But nevertheless, Cincinnati's been practicing indoors at the University of Cincinnati, Arctic blast last week, and now heat wave in L.A. But Matt, what's the temperature today? Yeah, we're in the mid-80s. So it's, it's definitely, you said spring in Vegas. It's almost feeling like early summer out here in L.A. So... I don't think this is going to have that much of an impact on the Rams who live there year round. I do think this is a big negative for the Cincinnati Bengals. Maybe they'll be all buttoned up and they won't go out. But just the fact that they're practicing in the 80 degrees here. I think that that's a, a, something no one is talking about that cannot benefit the Bengals. It's either a non-factor or you know what? It could be a huge factor. And when it comes to that, among other factors, it has you looking the rounds way. You touched on it in you know, not just the money line play, but plenty of props. I think one thing you brought up that was just next level analysis from a high level strategy standpoint, looking at the player prop yard totals in aggregate and comparing that to the point spread, coming to the conclusion that the Rams are coming at a discount in the prop market, the Bengals generally at a premium. I'm wondering if you could elaborate just a bit on that concept as well as perhaps any value that might have led you toward when it comes to Rams player overs or Bengals player unders. Sure. So if you look at the quarterbacks, they both opened right around 279 yards. So the quarterbacks were supposed to throw for the same amount of yards. The beauty of that is now I can take out all the receivers because they're all incorporated under the quarterback. Um, and if there's going to be someone throws, throws a pass that's not a quarterback, it's probably going to be Beckham for the Rams. So the Rams, slight advantage on the passing yards. Well, let's look at the rushing yards. Well, if you, if you look at the running backs one and two of the two teams, uh, right now you've got Mixon right there with Akers. They're, they're equal. And Michelle's supposed to get 20 yards, and P. Ryan's supposed to get four. So, um, and, and these numbers have started to move already, but you, 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 you add it all up, Burrow's supposed to rush for like five or six more yards. The Rams were being dealt 10 yards better than the Bengals. That made no sense. The Rams were a four-point favorite. So the Rams should be more than 20 points, uh, more than 20 yards favored versus the Bengals. So the player props 
we're illogical and we've already seen it. Money's coming in on Stafford over. It's coming in on Cup over. It's coming in on Acres over. None of that movement's happening on the Bengals players because the yardages were cheap for the Rams before when they first opened those numbers up. All right, cool. So it sounds like that gap is closing. And one look I have at the Bengals would be Jamar Chase to go under his receiving yardage total. I think a consensus number now is about 80 and a half. I am seeing as high as 83 and a half already. Reminds me a bit of Tyreek Hill last year, one of the last bets before the game kicked off. And this will be my old movie reference. I thought of Braveheart, where William Wallace is just holding the line until the last possible second to just unleash fury on the enemy. Um, just waiting till the last minute to take Hill under once it got into the triple digits. Chase isn't going to get that high. But if he gets up into the mid-80s, then I see even more value going on under on him. So no rush right now. But tying in with your concept about the Bengals being priced at a bit of a premium, wondering if you had any thoughts on Jamar Chase's receiving total for the Super Bowl. Yeah, Chase under at post, and hopefully it gets steamed upwards. So you can, um, you know, it's funny because, I, I mean, I played Cup over. I played Acres over at, at Open. Um, and, you know, all these guys predictably are going up, 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 up. And at some point, you know, the everyone's going to start calling me and say, oh, congratulations, all these guys are heading to Pluto. Great job. And I'll say, dump it. Dump it all. Take the money and run and play and play Cooper Cup under 112. Play him under nine catches. Um, and the same really is, is true for Chase that you're the public is going to bet Chase over. Um, make sure you got apps because there's no way you're going to get through the lines on this game with um, the congestion that is betting the Super Bowl in Las Vegas. Yeah, nice pro tip there not to get caught in a line on Super Sunday. Something else some bettors can do if they're on the ball now is just get in play early where it makes sense. And I wanted to see if beyond that concept of the Rams player props being at a bit of a discount, Bengals player props being priced at a bit of a premium, is there anything else that you feel good about right now that might not make its way to Super Sunday as more of the market really starts to enter Friday, Saturday, Sunday morning, early afternoon? Well, I bet the Rams... All, all kinds of cheap ways. So if the Rams lose this game, I'm going to get destroyed. So I better find a way to get at some Bengals, which I will, um, in terms of uh, evening out my portfolio a little bit. Uh, I played the the Rams that more yards, minus 150, more first downs, minus 150, Rams last possession, minus 130. All these I'm getting a bet very highly correlated with the money line, but I'm laying less. And I might make the case, you know, the Rams are a really good stat team. The Rams do better in the stats than they do necessarily on the scoreboard. And more importantly, the Bengals do worse. The Bengals, if you look in the playoffs, they're getting out first down by two per game. They're getting out gained, yet they won all three games. So that's a team that you, in the Bengals, you want no part of betting them on the stats. On the scoreboard, for whatever reason, part of it's they got the world's greatest kicker. Now um, yeah, that's uh, certainly benefits the Bengals, but that great kicker screws them when it comes to stats. Think about it, the Bengals at fourth and three on the Rams 38. They're just going to kick the 55 yard field goal. There goes the first down. There goes more yardage into the garbage can and put three points go on the scoreboard. I like that. And one more Bengals player prop I'm looking at before I will expand my horizons beyond Cincinnati player props. Joe Burrow, the yes to throw an interception or over half an interception, basically the same bet depending on the wording, banking on Burrow throwing at least one pick in the game. I would make my price ceiling about minus 145 here, and I'm seeing that available as well as some better numbers if somebody can shop around. And I want to give credit where it's due. First heard this from friends of the pod, Ed Fang and pro better Rob Pizzola. 
And uh, maybe a bit of retribution on my part, Rob, on his great podcast, Circles Off, made his favorite Super Bowl prop bet, shortest touchdown under one and a half yards, which I know you're not on in this game. You've often stated the value of that. That tends to be the official prop of this podcast throughout much of the season. So Rob taking a page out of my playbook. I'll take this page out of his, speaking to Burrow, yes, to throw an interception. And part of the handicap involves a stat uh, that Ed Fang, I believe, pioneered called bad ball rate. And he's found that this is more predictive than actual interception rate among quarterbacks. Basically, anytime a quarterback throws a pass that the defense touch touches, whether it gets picked or not, if a defensive lineman tips it up in the air, um, you know, if a cornerback gets a pass defense without picking it off, just putting the ball in harm's way can be a lot more sticky than whether a pass gets picked off or not. I mean, how many times do we see a ball hang in the air for 10 minutes off a deflection? It falls harmlessly to the ground. Other times, like Mahomes' interception in overtime in the AFC title game, um, a pretty nifty pick off of a deflection deep in the secondary. So cutting through some of the randomness, finding that bad ball rate tends to be more predictive. Joe Burrow has been fortunate when it comes to the low number of interceptions he's thrown relative to a slightly higher bad ball rate. And I think that just has him a little bit underpriced when it comes to the likelihood of him throwing an interception on Super Sunday. Any thoughts on a bet like that? Yeah, I like it. I think I think it's solid. And bottom line, they're a four-point underdog, so they're going to be... Ch- there's a good chance they'll have to chuck the ball all over the place at the end. Pursuant to that bad ball rate, how many Jimmy G floaters did we see against Green mm-hmm. Bay? And seemingly none of them got picked off. I will say this. Um, you, you, you mentioned Ed Fang and Pizzola. I hope I don't get anyone very mad at me. I'll take Pizzola minus 240 against Ed Fang. Thank you very much. Pizzola <laughs> is really good. Yeah, I, I love them both. I've had both of them on here and was fortunate to meet both of them um, at Bet Bash this past summer. Hope to see them again at Bet Bash in Vegas in a couple months. And I'd love to carve out time to meet you during that trip as well, if at all possible. Um, but yeah, when they're both aligned on something, that speaks volumes to me. So it has me in play on Burrow throwing an interception. This is a great point because I hear this all the time. When everybody's on something, be careful. And that's... T- that's good advice when it's the public because everybody's on it. The number should be like going to going crazy. And if it isn't, there's usually something wrong with the play. But when the real sharps, the pros that actually bet for a living, my experience has been when all those guys are on the same thing, it wins and it does very, very well. So um, I wouldn't be fearful ever if, if you're in the right circles with people and everyone aligns on a play that to uh, go ahead and back it. I love hearing that from somebody like you because I tend to think of curation as one of my best forms of creation when it comes to a podcast like this, knowing that I'm not the sharpest handicapper in the world. I'm probably never going to be a pro better or anything like that. But just having a good filter of, you know, what's just noise that we can immediately dismiss, probably 99% of the stuff out there. And what's the true signal? Who's really in that inner circle of, you know, deserving trust? And when there's alignment in that inner circle, that's worked out well for me over the years. So hopefully we can keep it going come Super Sunday with this Burrow interception prop. That's awesome. You know, it's interesting that you said you don't have really a- an aspiration to be a full-time pro better. Is that correct? Is, did um, I hear that right? If, if the opportunity presents itself, I'm, I'm very open to it. But I just also understand that there's a lot that goes into it. So many people, I feel like in a position of mine, having a podcast for a couple of years, getting some good traction, but not wanting to get over exuberant. I understand that being a pro better comes, you know, with plenty of trade-offs to the rest of life. So I'm very open to it, but I also understand that it might not ever happen. And if it doesn't, that's perfectly fine as well. Well, I'm going to throw this invitation out to you. When California legalizes, 
you and I, we're going to start a mutual fund and you can bet in California and we'll see what we can grow it into. Oh, when I say mutual fund, it's going to be the Matt Landis fund in terms of we'll just split the profits 50-50. That's music to my ears. Sign me up for that. And uh, yeah, we'll see if we can do this in a way that gives us some longevity as we map out a plan of attack as well. I'm sure you've got plenty of experience along those lines. Um, I'm in. Hopefully this is... I don't know if it's going to be the last, but one of the final couple Super Bowls before we're in a spot like that here in California. I know Vegas has so many good options and good friends in Jersey, Colorado, Illinois, seemingly any other state except for California has figured something out. So I hope it's not too far away for us. And when the time comes, anything I can do to work with you, I'm all in for. Now, you mentioned longevity, and this is really key. And it's almost like in the original Star Wars when uh, Luke says, I'm sorry, the, the old man says, Let's just say we want to avoid any Federation interference. And uh, Han Solo says, well, that's the real trick of it, isn't it? So it's not the winning that's really that hard. And I know there's people that like, like, that struggle with this and say, well, wait a minute. You talk about all the time how hard it is to beat NFL sides and totals. Well, that's true if you tell me who I like at any one moment. But I would say over the course of even – any week there's three or four bets that you're like, oh, this is just too good to be true type of bets. Andrew Luck retired and I can play Indianapolis Colts under 10 because I was watching Twitter and the like. Same with the draft bets and with Super Bowl props. I mean, the South Point opens up the, the second half to outscore the first half and it's only minus 125 um, by example. And so now I'm sure they're at minus 170 and they're saying, oh, we're really happy with the action that we took. No, they're not happy. If they were happy, they, they wouldn't have had to move it 45 cents. They'd keep writing action. They're unhappy. They're just saying they're happy. But, but my point is, is that, you know, winning is really, um, winning a lot is hard. Winning is easy. It's like poker. If you're a professional poker player and you're playing a 1-3 game, there's no way you can lose. I don't believe it. If you're losing, you stick. All right? You win. But you win if you were working at McDonald's also. Do you win enough is the key. And the problem with sports betting is when you're winning at the highest rates, with these props, well, I'm the Super Bowl is an exception, but most of the time the limits are too low and you keep getting kicked out left and right if that's all you're playing. And that's a really hard line, how to preserve your longevity and be like a card counter and camouflage your plays so you can look like another dummy. Um, I've got friends that seem to excel at this. Yeah, as, as Banky says, speaking of Bet Bash, um, he often talks about winning at a certain point becomes trivial and it's all about longevity. And that's, that's next level stuff. You figured it out. A lot of really good bettors have mastered that. And I hope that part of the experience for people hearing this conversation can be to lay a foundation beneath that of starting to think along the lines of somebody who at least has a decent chance to put themselves in position to win. And then we can right. build on it from there. Like Spanky, if anyone hasn't seen this, he's got the little betting pyramid, like the old food pyramid that, you know, has all the, you know, that pyramid had all these nuts and grains. And now I'm not supposed to eat bread, so I'm confused. But I digress. The The point is you can't have uh, all your main meals be props. The props have to be like dessert. You can only have them like a little bit of the time because if you, have, if you eat too much props, then you get fat. And when you get fat, you get barred. So Spanky's betting pyramid is actually a pretty brilliant concept. Yeah, it has me thinking when we start this mutual fund, we might need to rebrand the podcast or really play up the hops component so that the books might be thinking they're getting a little bit of buzz or drunken action, just, you know, trying to throw a little bit of cover our way to, you know, get us more along the lines of that longevity. 
And let me emphasize for anyone who's listening who, who just enjoys the pod and hasn't won in the past, and they're a recreational player and they've just had fun and they maybe they've lost a lot of money at, at any book, you are sitting in the catbird seat. You can contact Spanky or me or Matt. We'll put, we'll, he'll put you in touch with someone who will be more than happy to partner with you because now you probably have bigger limits. You're identified as a square and you can get away with murder uh, just like a guy who's a terrible blackjack player, if he suddenly actually learned how to win, imagine how long he could play if he's got this 10-year of data that's identified him as a nice and easy player translation. He has no freaking idea what he's doing, and he stands on A6. So um, that's if, if you are a recreational player with accounts, you can make a whole lot of money quickly if you get put in place with the right people. I love this. I did not plan on the bit of a detour we've taken these past five minutes or so, but I think that kind of context, you know, can long outlast Super Sunday. So uh, I'm excited about the prospects of getting to do some work with you potentially when California opens up and figures this whole thing out. And uh, aside from that, everybody listening, I think can take away a lot of a long-term valuable approach. Again, once football season's over, this can apply pretty much all year round in any sport. But Steve, before we depart too much from the NFL, wanted to also think about props that we could have in the sights, to borrow a phrase from the late, great David Malinsky, near and dear to both of us. Um, bets that I have every intention of making, but no reason to rush and bet them quite yet. Um, I have a couple in mind, but I wanted to see if there's anything, perhaps some annual staples or anything you're seeing in this specific matchup that has you looking a certain way, but in no hurry to pull the trigger. Sure. So I... I mean, I gave out Cooper Cup to my clients over, so I can't exactly give them back under. But um, not just yards. I'll look at passes um, caught, and I'll, I'll, I'll go ahead and look at longest completion. These, I think I saw 31 and a half, and I'll probably get some Cup under. That's that's an obvious one. Stafford under, you know, is another obvious one. You know, I'm struggling right now with the news about the Rams running back. So McVay, who we don't trust at all, lied completely about Gurley being 100% healthy when he wasn't you know, two Super Bowls ago. And now he says he's going possibly with the three-headed monster with Daryl Henderson returning to the backfield. Do we believe him? Um, I haven't seen any um, – You, Matt, you do not believe him. How many carries does Henderson get in this in this Super Bowl, do you think? Oh, man. Over, under, one and a half? I don't know. What would you price that at? Well, I tell you what. If it's one and a half, that's, that's a carry and a half that Akers isn't getting. You know, so that's even one and a half would be significant. I haven't done enough work on it, but it certainly has to make you pause about acres and 62 and a half rush yards when McVeigh comes out with that. Could he possibly be lying that much? Oh, it's certainly possible. Yeah, well, sounds like you have a good plan lined up to get in play, um, you know, a little bit back in some pro Bengals forms with Rams players under once those lines inflate. So that could help balance things out, as you touched on earlier, being a little lopsided on the Rams right now. And I hear you on the backfield now looking really muddled. So I'm thinking beyond player props, a game prop that I look to every year, a team to score three unanswered times, looking to bet yes on that. And generally, I'm looking for something in the range of minus 200. Let me know if that price is out of whack. But I think it, it's one that tends to crash down because it sounds really specific to a lot of casual fans. And when we have a game like this, you know, the spread's four, four and a half. We have a clear favorite, but not a massive favorite. And if it's a competitive game, you might think these teams are going to go back and forth. Who's really going to pull away? I know you might say, hey, the, the line for biggest lead of the game is 14 and a half. So somebody's probably going to at least appear to be pulling away at a certain point. And rewinding just to the conference championship weekend, two games decided by three points that went down to the wire. 
The Bengals had a run of scoring three unanswered times. And in the NFC title game, both the 49ers and the Rams had runs of scoring three straight times. A subtle edge. I know you're well aware of it. Some listeners might not be. You can get this home with the defense only making one stop by getting a team to score at the end of the first half and then coming out to start the second half. So it happens more than people might think. And as people start to see some plus money on the yes and they take it as they enter the marketplace, again, I'm thinking Friday, Saturday, early Sunday, Sunday shortly before kickoff, coming in at minus 200 or better on the yes to a team to score three unanswered times, one of my favorite game day bets every Super Sunday. Yeah, very well said. The public loves betting no because they see that plus 160 and they can't resist it. They're like, how are they going to score three in a row? This seems crazy and it drives the number down. You know, I will say this with the proliferation of the props and with them being like a thousand of them. Unfortunately, it devalues some of these the value on these props like three straight scores because now the public is spacing out their money on more and more props. So they're not moving it as much back when there was only like other than the Imperial Palace. You know, a lot of places would have like 20 props. They'd have a front and a back page on a sheet and that would be it. So I don't think it's going to move enough on that prop you know, to make a difference. But but certainly that was a pro secret that we'd always, I've laid as low as like minus 140 on three straight scores. And the wow. poster child and why this is such a good bet. If you go back to, I'll use the Tennessee St. Louis Super Bowl, where close game, Rams win 23-16, low scoring game. Was there three straight scores? Yes. Not just by one team. Both teams scored three straight times in that game. Love that example. Is there, knowing that that point you made, the public so diversified across other props, they might not move this one as much in years past. Is there a price point? I mean, minus 200 comes to mind as like the, the number I need to at least get that, if not better. But do you have a different price ceiling for that prop? Oh, there's no way I'm laying minus 200. Minus 168 would be my price point. It probably never appears. Um, hey, it could lose. It's one of those things where you have, you have a small edge and, you know, it, a good point too. There's stuff we've been betting all the time that we're not going to bet the Super Bowl. So we've had really high totals. So we've been betting a shorty touchdown of zero or one. The last few Super Bowls, not going to bet it this year. Well, why not? Well, this year we got a total at 48 and a half and we got a great kicker and a kicker that's good if he isn't injured. So there might be four field goals. So that gets me 35 points from touchdowns. That's only five touchdowns. Five touchdowns is not enough to count on a zero or a one. It's a volume game. I want seven touchdowns, at least six. So I can't play under one and a half for the shorty touchdown. And field goals, longest field goal is normally something pros, like we've said, pros like to bet that under. Not, I don't want to touch that. I know if it's fourth and two from the Ram 38, McPherson's going to smash that ball into the stands and it'll be good from 65. There is no way the Bengals are going for it in that situation. I like your point about keeping in mind value and maybe some habits that experienced betters would have with Super Bowls, not always applying as we you know, continue to see the market evolve. And I'd love to touch on one more topic, the notion of what I think of as value lost versus value being gone altogether. I know um, there was a lot of talk yesterday after a better with a big following released a national anthem number to his following and pretty much got that wiped off the board. And last year we had somebody post a rehearsal on Twitter. I mean, national anthem betting might become a thing of the past at some point before long. But in terms of the game itself, opening kickoff not to be a touchback. The cat is out of the bag. I mean, now we're seeing the no, a favorite for the opening kickoff not to be a touchback. Second half to outscore the first half, we used to get it, what, minus 130 pretty readily available. Now it's, you know, trying to get minus 155 or so. 
Longest touchdown under used to be priced, I believe, in the 50s. Now we're seeing it approach the low 40s. So in some areas, if the value is gone, don't bet it anymore. To your point, never lay minus 200 on three straight scores. But if we see anything in the minus 168 or better range, okay, then there's maybe some value. With some of these props, how do you approach an evolving market and really just tell yourself, hey, just because I've maybe bet these five straight years doesn't necessarily mean I need to bet it now. Or just because it's a little bit more expensive, it doesn't mean the value is gone altogether. I think you have to go prop by prop and it all depends what um, what the circumstances are. The second half has outscored the first half 15, five and one, 75% since the turn of the century. It's pretty strong. That's minus 300 for break even. I get it. I'd like to lay minus 125 and I have had to lay minus 145 this year. And at post, it'll probably be minus 180. On a lot of these, I think you just got to be first in. You can't be in a situation like in the, in the movie Wall Street when um, Sheen says, I, I don't know what to make of it, Gordon. You know, this blue star just keeps going up. And Gordon's like, the word is out, pal. Your union buddies are talking too much. <laughs> and uh, and the truth was that Sheen was buying up second half minus 25, 35, 45 before he called, you know, Gecko to check in on him. And poor Gecko was left stuck, you know, laying 70, 175 and 180. So, you know, get the information first. The, the, the commemorative balls are not worked in. So mental note, bet that there won't be a, a, a touchback on the first kickoff. But now that it's a pick em, sure, clearly a lot of the value is, is long gone. Absolutely. All right. Well, let's run down a bit of a portfolio where the value is not gone altogether. I've got you down for Rams on the money line, minus 175. And then some smaller bets all correlated with that money line wager. Rams to have more yards, minus 150. Rams have more first downs, minus 150. And the Rams have the last possession at minus 130. I'll also add on my end, we can call this the uh, the Steve Fezzik plus Matt Landis props and hops super Sunday portfolio, if you will. I will add Joe Burrow, yes to throw an interception or over one half of an interception, good up to minus 145. Jamar Chase, going to wait, but gun to my head if I had to pull the trigger right now. I'd say let's get in play on the under 80 and a half receiving yards. Maybe we'll see that balloon up just a little bit further. And then uh, if people can still get second half to outscore the first half, minus 155 or better if ties push, minus 135 or better if ties lose, liking that one as well. I, very much. And I do like the Bengals second half to outscore the Bengals first half even more. Mm-hmm. The Bengals, there's I won't outline all the reasons, but... Um, there, there, there's a lot of reasons to expect the Bengals will do better in the second half. And historically, they've been better in the second half. Good point. Yes, yes. I, I like that look a lot where people have that option available. And then really quickly, no need to handicap. But year over year where we see no overtime or no safety, 10 to 1 or better, that tends to stand out come game day. Are you eyeing those for this particular matchup? I always look to bet no overtime. And I have lost on safety before, but I gave up on safeties because – the nervousness factor and the situations associated with the safeties are, are, are such that a safety seems a lot more prevalent than overtime. And since the odds are the same, um, if I'm if I'm going to lay minus 1,000, I'm going to do it on no overtime where I can only get beat at the end of a game versus every damn play when a team is inside their 15-yard line. I have to sweat it out. So uh, no overtime is an endorsement. That's minus 1,000 at William Hill. I'll pass on no safety. 
Yeah, we had that run from Super Bowl 46 to 48, three straight years with a safety. Two of those came early. One was the first play of the game to snap right over Peyton Manning's head. The other, Tom Brady, intentional grounding in the end zone against the Giants. Um, so, yeah, maybe, okay, I'll look toward no overtime if we see it reach the right price, 10 to 1 or better. Let me give you one more prop to think about. The team to score last wins the game. This prop is 14 and 1. You have to lay minus 200, but it's 14 and 1. It has one loss, and that loss was on the intentional safety that Baltimore took against San Francisco on the last play of the game. So it really should be 15-0. and 0. So uh, it's hard to argue with 15-0. and 0. I'll probably get a piece of that before uh, the game starts. Cops and ops and cops and ops and cops and ops.